Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have a great episode with two dear friends of the podcast. We've got Meg Pearson making her third appearance and Hunter Gardner making his second appearance on the pod. Hunter Gardner is the way Jordan Yanko, previous guest, mentioned that I, that's how I say his name. Hunter Gardner is probably the way to say it. I say Hunter Gardner or something like that. Nevertheless, these two people, these two great people are here to talk about a show that they co-produce, High Nice People. They talk about how they have developed it and changed it as they are making a move on March 14th, next Tuesday, to Caveat, which is going to be a really great move for them. We have a link in the bio for you to get tickets for that. And this chat starts off with us talking about The Artist Way, which our friend group, including girlfriend of the show Justina, is planning on going through together. Well, let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Meg and Hunter. There's, like, homework that yeah. comes, and, and, like, a way of life. I know I definitely read some of it once mm-hmm. and then i had some friends that were doing it back in charleston actually and they were telling me about it but it was, yeah i mean i thought it get where it's like there's one week where you're just not supposed to have like any inputs whatsoever and my friend who you guys know henry riggs was talking about it and he mm-hmm. was just like it's just strange because you just realize how much you're like oh i'm just gonna put on this podcast while as as we record a podcast mm-hmm. like i'm gonna put on this podcast while i cook breakfast or like i'm gonna put on this record yeah. while it makes a drink at night and it's just like no it's like you're not supposed to have anything coming in i've heard of that week and i just don't know what to make of it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how like what am i gonna do i i can't read a book can't listen to music can't listen to a podcast can't watch something are you able to talk to people you can still have that kind of input, <laughs> i guess <right? laughs> i guess that's what you should do is just call people that you haven't caught up with in a while i think Jason, you like inadvertently got to the crux of why the artist way is so hard is because everyone like is like, yes, this sounds great. I want to do it, but not if it's hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And yeah, then it's hard. Yeah, I'm thinking, is it an overshoot to do a week of not doing because like, you know, I know someone might say, like, well, two hundred years ago they didn't have podcasts and HBO Max or whatever, but like they did have books. They would read yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> they had plenty of entertainment 200 years ago. It just didn't look like yeah. ours. <laughs> right. Yeah. And right. also, we now have that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> someone was like, what about podcasts or HBO Max? And someone else was like, that's a great idea. And then we all agreed with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> we had all the books that they had and more. <laughs> yeah, and... we were like, forget about those books. Those books <laughs> go elsewhere now. That's one of the things that interests me whenever someone watches, like, forget, no, what was that movie? Uh, Midnight in Paris. Forget Paris. Mm-hmm. Is a totally different. <laughs> Which I thought, I thought you were going to say forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, <laughs> um, I'd love to talk about that for an hour. <laughs> 
But when that movie came out, when Midnight in Paris came out, people were like, what era would you go back to? And they were all like, oh, I'd love to go back to this time in the 1800s or like this time in the 1700s, or this time in the 1920s. And I was like, I'm not going back to any of those times because my black ass was not wanted in those, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't have been safe for me. Also, you can go back a certain amount of time. And there's no indoor plumbing. It's like, I think people miss the point of Midnight in Paris. Not that we should be like lifting up Woody Allen, but the point of it is that the grass is greener is a myth. Because if you go over there, you're going to still have issues and problems. And we have all of the great art of the past now that, that was inspiring people then. We can still engage with that now. There's just a ton more. Yeah. It, yeah. Or has been made since. And then we also have electricity. Yes. When I when I worked at the History Museum in Greenville, we had a docent who always was very quick to say, I don't want to go to any time period that doesn't have modern dentistry. Yeah. He said, because you have no idea how horrible life was before right. modern dentistry. And yeah. it's true. It's like the, too many people dying of typhoid before the 1900s for me to want to go back there. It's, like, yeah, it's not a good idea. Even my friend who recently went through med school was like, dude, you don't realize how barbaric it is, especially mm -hmm. the ortho stuff, like anything with bones. They're like, yeah, we're just cracking bones. <laughs> still, a lot of it's still pretty barbaric. Yeah, and <laughs> like the whole idea of the good old days is pretty much a myth. Because mm -hmm. Jason, to your point, like the good old days for who? But like, <laughs> like yeah. even even like in the most romantic sense, it's it's I just heard it put well where it's just like, yeah, I mean, like modern times are it's like crime has never been lower, medicine has never been more advanced. Like right. it's now right. is the best time to be alive. <laughs> I'm I've been watching that show Boardwalk Empire, mm -hmm. uh, which takes place during Prohibition. It's such a good show. Really and just falling in love with it, but but it also romanticizes not the good old days but kind of the lifestyle of like like you know the first of all crime was just a lot easier it mm -hmm. seems like but it just really romanticizes just like we work hard we drink we wake up we we drink coffee we smoke cigarettes like it's just kind of like that that kind of tropey stuff and i was just like man yeah that's what it's like to be a man <laughs> and then uh, last night I like had a couple cocktails and like woke up early this morning, like 645, seven, went out, walked, drank coffee. And then I was just like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I think the acting on that show is actually really bad. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now there's every once in a while I'll come across the YouTube that's someone saying I followed the exact schedule of Mozart or whoever. And it's like, okay, was it really their schedule or is that just something someone put out? So it's like, to me, dubious if it's even accurate. But also, you can't <laughs> live the exact <laughs> schedule because he didn't wake up in an electrified home. Yeah. Yeah. And just right. turn yeah, on I'm, the kettle. And, and <laughs> you know the, what's to blame for that, Jason? I would say podcasts and hbo max it is it, i mean you know we'll never live like mozart we'll never live like <laughs> you're not 
if you're making it for YouTube right there, you're already not living your day. Like, oh my God, don't get me started. <laughs> like, did when, when did Mozart put up his camera to record him walking yeah. to get a coffee at two in the afternoon? Yeah. When was Mozart like, but what's in the zeitgeist right now? <laughs> it is interesting to see that people do try to glorify the past and, and try to recreate it as closely as they can. And, you know, you could live a life like Mozart. I've heard of people doing that with Benjamin Franklin, too. Mm -hmm. But again, when I worked at the History Museum, I had like a group of Revolutionary War people that would come, these reenactors. And, and, and one of them, he and I were talking and he's like, yeah, I uh, used to do the, uh, the civil war reenactments. He's like, but I think those people are still actually fighting the war. Like they don't, they don't mm -hmm. know. It's like reenactors, but really they just want to be in that time mm -hmm. uh, because they are, I mean, I assume not only racist, but also <laughs> really into like hoop skirts and, you know, just all, all kinds of stuff. But it's like people will say, oh, I'm I'm just wanting to enjoy the past. I want to just appreciate this stuff. But then they wind up like it really just reveals something about their nature that I think is much darker. In, For in sure. <laughs> well, interesting way to start off the chat here. Uh, well, you two have both been on the podcast before. And now this is your first time on together. Hunter and Meg. You are both working on A Nice People, which is about to start its new run of shows at Caveat. You've been doing it for a while, though, Hunter. And Meg, you have been a producer for a handful of shows now, right? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Very excited for that. And that first show at Caveat is March 14th. That's right. Yeah, March 14th, 7 p.m. at Caveat. Will it be live streamed? We are not going to live stream okay. the first show. We've made an executive decision, maybe in the future. And also in the future, every show is still going to be 7 p.m. on a Tuesday, but the first Tuesday of every month. And the nice people over at Cabinet have given us a six-month ride. So that's nice. exciting. It's always nice to I feel like a venue is on your side and believes mm -hmm. in the show and know that you're going to have a home base where you can also develop the show and build an audience. Yeah, that's dope. You have been doing this show... For years now, at this point, when did it start for you? When did you first start doing it? How did that develop? The show first started in the back of a bar that is no longer open, but I have very sentimental feelings towards called South Fourth Bar in Williamsburg. It was a time when I had moved to New York, right when the annoyance Brooklyn had dissolved and kind of all these, this coalition of new comics needed a place to put stuff up. And they had a, a comedy night called Rude in the back of South Fork Bar there in Williamsburg. And you would just submit a show idea and they would put it up. And High Nice People started off that way with that exa exact title. It was essentially a variety show where I would book the show and then before each act went up, I would write a thank you note to them for doing the show with compliments and then give it to them after their performance. <laughs> and, and that was it. Like I... I think I've always, my attitude towards moving to New York is, you know, it has this reputation of like, it's grisly and dark and, you know, e even like with some of the comedy scenes. Right. But I was just like, well, I'm going to be the nice guy that shows up and, and tries to be like a light in a dark place. And maybe that feels a little different. So that's where the idea for the show came from. And from there, I was just encouraged by some mentors to keep 
developing it and even make it a little bit more theatrical. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really more like the the iteration that we have today, where still a variety show, but just with a couple more tentpole moments. I come out, I sing a theme song. It's kind of like a PG-13 version of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, I was just about to describe. That's how you have described it before. It's for adults, but it's still got that vibe of Mr. Rogers, who we all still love. Yeah. So people come out, they kind of drop into the apartment. Every episode has a different theme, which is based off an adult problem. So our, our first show at Caveat is going to be called Get Your Shit Together. Um, <laughs> so I'll come out, I'll sing a theme song. Comics will come out and do bits as inspired by that theme. And then we have a subject matter expert that comes out. Meg and I do an interview with them. We play a game with them. That usually involves some audience interaction. Mm-hmm. And then the show closes. It kind of opens with a comedic monologue based on the theme and then closes with a more sincere monologue about the theme. So the whole thing kind of bookends itself. Nice. And Meg, you started, as I mentioned, a, a few shows ago. It's that uh, you all have been running this elsewhere before this caveat run. How did you get involved and in- How have you changed or kept things the same? How have you tried to impact the show? Yeah, so I got involved the summer of this year. Initially, Hunter and I were were chatting actually at Girlfriend of the Show's birthday party. Thank you for appropriately referencing Justina. Absolutely. (laughs) Always. Girlfriend of the Show. Girlfriend of the Show. (laughs) And we were at her birthday party and I I just said that I was looking for something creative to do. I wasn't sure what I was going to, you know, sink my teeth into. And Hunter and I have known each other for years now through the comedy scene in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And Hunter approached me and just said, hey, you know, would you be interested in co-producing this? You know, I'd love to to bring this back. It kind of took a little bit of a COVID rest and I want to bring it up and maybe retool it a little bit, kind of think about the tent poles, as Hunter mentioned, and I was excited. So that's how I got involved. I've been involved in, I think, four shows now. One thing that I do consistently is I find the the SME and I'll help craft the questions that we ask. And Hunter and I collaborate on those. And then we also run them by the subject matter expert. I think one thing that I really love about this show is that the goal is to make everyone look good. So, you know, with that, we want to make sure that the subject matter experts, no one here is trying to be tricked. We let them see the questions ahead of time. And, you know, if there's something that they would like to answer, really push on, we will. So just as a um, plug, for example, with the Get Your Shit Together episode coming up on March 14th, a caveat, we have us Danny Perlstein, who's the policy and communications director for Writers Alliance. So what's cool about that is it's going to give us an opportunity to talk about getting your shit together, joining an advocacy group and making your voice heard with a group that makes sure that public transportation is increasingly accessible for all, not just in New York, but around the country and around the world. But also thinking about how do you motivate a city to get its shit together and, you know, kind of building up on that. And then once we have our our Q&A, we kind of go through that. We'll also have an opportunity to play a fun game. And I think that's something that Hunter and I have agreed we've we've started to cultivate and develop. So I create a game that is, as Hunter pointed out or said in an email, I love the way you worded this, the SME is in on the joke, but you know, we, we put together a game that the audience can participate in. It's a lot of fun. So 
That's a little bit about what I do. I focus mostly on the the SME part. I joined it because one, I knew that Hunter was a great producer and has a lot of drive. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I wanted to learn from someone who is very, very good at, at producing shows. And two, I also love the idea of making sure that people feel supported and loved and, and yeah. walk away feeling joyful. And I think that that is what the show brings to the table. Definitely. I also want to be clear too, like Meg did not just come in and plug holes. Like it is a different show now because Meg right. is involved. From the look and feel and just she comes on stage and, and like our interaction together Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the work she, she does with the subject matter experts and just talking show and what this right. show should look and feel like. It is, it's a different show with Meg. It's a better show with Meg. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to mention, Justine and I have seen several of them and they've been at different locations. We saw a few before Meg came on board and then we've seen since Meg has come on board. The show is always continuing to grow and get stronger and tighter as far as execution. As the show was developing before Meg got on board, what were you seeing the show as and seeing needed to get altered? And then once Meg got on board, what did you then say, well, let's do this so that it is the better show that it can be with Meg? Yeah, at first it was just seeing like, is this thing that's a little bit high concept going to work at all? It There are so many moving parts and it mm-hmm. is just different enough that it it will throw comedians through a loop who are like, I'm just used to being told, like, here's the running order. I'm going to show up and do like eight minutes of stand up. And then I come at them and I'm like, that's great. We don't really do that on this show. And then also, please pick something that's on the theme. <laughs> so at first, it was just saying if this different kind of high concept thing was going to work and getting comfortable with it. And then what I, I was able to put it up long enough, I was like, okay, here's what I like about it. Here's what I want to double down on it. I, I almost wanted to feel a little bit hybrid theater. Like I really want to bring up the theatrical elements, which is when I, you know, brought in the, the theme song and also just some of the stage picture stuff. But the way that it's changed with Meg is, first of all, just having someone to soundboard ideas off of, hey, what do you see that I don't see? What's the potential here? You know, what are those examples is just kind of like, can we double down on this kind of 1970s loungy, we're really in the living room feel? Um, that's also been show themes. That's also just been having her presence on stage. I mean, there's there's really nothing like, and in fact, a lot of people have said it's their favorite part of the show, but just, you know, about halfway through, I introduced Meg, she comes up and we riff on the theme. I think just having a different perspective, having a female perspective, her general sunny disposition mm-hmm. and sensibility and sense of humor. Just as soon as she comes on stage, kind of kicks the show into a different gear. She brings so much natural excitement. And then to have her be the one that brings the subject matter up on stage and the dynamic of two people interviewing a subject matter expert and all of us being able to riff. And it really opens up the ability for us to play those games, those interactive games with the audience. It just feels a little bit more like a party when there's, you know, these three people on stage orchestrating and playing together and involving the audience. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, Meg pointed out is, oh, it seems like the audience interaction element is one thing that really makes this show fun and different. So let's make sure that those games, somehow we find a way to involve the audience. So yeah, the show's changed. The show's gotten better. That's great. When you moved from the venues that you've been at to Caveat, were there any sort of 
changes that you adapted to for that sort of move? Because it's a different kind of space than a lot of the spaces that you've been in. Yeah, well, one thing's for sure, as Meg will attest, you know, our, first of all, our latest space was Brick Ox and Teresa Bushheiser over there was an amazing host. It's essentially a rental space. And I mean, we showed up, we had a list of venues we were looking at. I think it was the first one. And we were like, this has to be it, if nothing else, because there was already a couch there. But yeah, we showed up and there was already just these set pieces that we could use to immediately create a living room. We bought a set of standalone lights. We brought in our own bar every show. We ran our own tickets off of Eventbrite. So, and and that way it was kind of fun because we were truly DIYing it. And it reminded me a lot of kind of previous shows with that same spirit that I've been involved with. And it's, it's all, that's always fun. But I think Mug will agree that moving to caveat, it's definitely nice to have some built-in tech, built-in ticketing. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am excited for for a while. My very, very sweet fiance had been just because Hunter and I would be trying to get Brick Ox ready to go. We would ask Ryan to go and check people in and, and do the tickets. And it'll be so nice to to just have us all just enjoy the space. We can get stuff ready, but we don't have to divide and conquer lest a fire break out. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So just some of the logistic things I think is a great change for us, but also the audience that Caveat brings, the level of professionalism that they bring, I think we're really excited about. But also to my point about, you know, trying to make it feel a more hybrid theater, they, you know, have much more dynamic tech there. Sure. Yeah. It's such a great space. Yeah. Yeah. And they do the live streaming thing too, which we are interested in. So um, I know there's some shows there that have huge audiences online. So what a cool opportunity. Yeah. I just want to know what you're going to give Ryan to do on March 14th. <laughs> well, what I will give him to do is just sending off good vibes because unfortunately he he proposed to me and then he dashed off to Oh, right. He's not going to be there March 14th. Yes, I know. So I am accepting applications. Any stand-ins. <laughs> yes, and for the audience, Meg's freshly engaged. Freshly I engaged. Am. Yes, we're very excited for you. Thank you. The show and myself. Yes. <laughs> and girlfriend of the show. I of course. Hope. Yes. Of course. All of us here at There It Is Pod are very mm -hmm. excited for the freshly engaged Meg Pearson. I like to word it that way because no one does. Freshly <laughs> engaged. <Yeah. laughs> we don't use well, the word fresh enough. Freshly I engaged. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the themes that you do for each show. Because as you mentioned already a few times that each show has its own theme, its own topic. So how do you come up with those and how do you try to execute those? As of late, I've been thinking a lot more about this idea of the conversations that we only have with ourselves. And I think as a comedy person, I'm interested in being the person and being the person that will is willing to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I've found that as I've done that more, even very recently in my standup and storytelling, I kind of get some like you know, nudges and stuff from people like, hey, that was cool. Like, I'm glad you did that. I mean, it's still just jokes or stories. Been thinking about that more 
lately with our themes, even something like get your shit together. I think we've all kind of felt like a person that didn't have their shit together. But the idea of the show is it's a, it's a feel good show about adult problems. So let's talk about them, you know, mm-hmm. and in the past, uh, themes have been things like how to relax, money, 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 mm-hmm. sex stuff, virtues and vices. Show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's adult problems. Yeah, virtues and vices, like unspoken rules and avoiding conflict. So listen, like some of them are a little bit more flashy, you know, sex stuff, that's on purpose. Of course, of course, yeah. That one's one that you can keep on doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Justine and I are doing the April show. I don't know if, you've, if you're announcing what that topic is, but we're doing that one. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. There it is, podcast exclusive. First of all, we're so excited to have you both on the show in April. The theme for that is making friends is hard. Because it is, like, especially as you get older, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. as you get older, which is not fair because that's when you need friends the most. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. Like, you know, college makes it so easy because there are a million people around. You can interact with so many different people and find someone. As an adult, you're at work, not as many people around. You don't like some of them because they're not nice. Then you go home and then it's like, well, how am I going to meet people? You know, like it's hard. It is hard. It, it is something that I have uh, even shared in the There It Is newsletter, a topic that I've shared in that because it is something that is hard for people and lots has been said about it. Right. Yeah. But that is in terms of execution, when I book people, like I said, I know that it's kind of a tall order to like bring something based off of the theme. But I always tell people, like, think of it like an improv suggestion. Like, you don't have to be right on theme. In in fact, a lot, some of the most fun things I've seen have been, you know, kind of a little bit of like an A to C from the theme. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was it the Virtues and Vices show, Meg, where our friend Hope did the reverse striptease? Yes, which was fantastic. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> she just came into the apartment saying she needed to do laundry. And I, a lot of times, another thing I'll ask performers is like, do you want me to help with your bed or just like get off stage? And more often than not, it's like, you can just like find a reason to leave. So I'll just invent a reason like, oh, God, I, I hear my cat purring in the oven or whatever, something insane. <laughs> uh, and then then they get to have the stage for themselves. But our, our friend Hope really doubled down on that where I left and then it was kind of like, Hunter thinks I'm here to do laundry, but really I want to perform for you all. And uh, she was <laughs> a mountain of clothes and did a strip tease and then passed out behind the couch and came back later in the show and did a reverse strip tease and put all of her clothes back on. It's so fun. <laughs> Meg led the audience in the chant of put it on. Put it. it was great. And that's just like the exact thing that just like totally, totally cracks me up. It was just like different and but so funny. And like someone tells you bring something on virtues and vices, and that's what you think of. Like, what a fucking cool, funny brain hope has. <laughs> And that's, I think, one of the other things that I love about this show is that it is a variety show in a lot of ways. You don't know what you're going to get. As as Hunter said, it doesn't work for people to just really come up and, you know, grab the mic and, you know, what's the deal with? You know, it's it's really, really nice to be a part of something where there is space for people to be experimental. I think that's one of the things that really attracts me and and gets me on the edge of my seat for every show because you never know what people are going to do. We've got a lot of creative friends. Right. Yeah. I'm still mulling over what I'm going to do for that April show because I had an idea, but I'm not, 
I started second guessing the idea because I was like, well, that's not necessarily something that demonstrates how hard it is to make friends. It's just more of a potentially showy sort of thing, <laughs> but it's not necessarily in case I do it, I won't say what it is here. I want to keep the integrity of it if I do it for the show, if I find a way to do it. But it is tricky to try to find something you think is worthy of the show and is going to be good. And so, and then execute it properly. Yeah. Are we asking too much of people now? Maybe. I think we are. <laughs> I don't know. I, I because you guys I, didn't I just... put that on me. That is my neuroses. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think it is Jason's neuroses. I think <laughs> everyone has this this latent part of them that wants to to do something kind of weird and and off off the off the beaten path. And I think especially coming to the show and seeing what people are doing and then thinking, oh, well, I didn't know I could do something like that. And then you never <laughs> know what you're capable of. You know, it's it's been great. The shows have been super fun. And how far out do you try to plan these? I mean, I guess because you asked us to do the April show in like December. <laughs> so like, maybe, <laughs> are you generally that far ahead? We have put together a whole pecking order of like every month. If it's the first week, we should be trying to accomplish this. So I, I would say about a, a month out. And really, it's probably time to start thinking about like May and, and June shows. I think we're just trying to get people booked more than anything. Mm -hmm. I think the move with caveat will actually only instill that because mm -hmm. they, they're they're pretty intent on like, if you have tech stuff, get it to us like 10 to 14 days in advance or I'm probably wildly misspeaking on their behalf, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, you definitely would have to get it in advance to them, whether. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we can't just be like, send it to us day up and we'll play it off an iPhone. And you know um, how many people want to do that? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Every, of course. Everyone wants to be able to do that. It's so smart to be, to have that sort of plan at the, be, you know, it's the beginning of the month. We got to have these things ready for a month from now. That's smart. And I mean, I remember sitting with a big, big old brainstorming session with Meg, where we, we must've written down like 20 show themes that we really liked. And we've still just been picking from the crop on, on that. So Look, there's no shortage of adult problems to, to play true. around with. That's true. I think that's that's one big thing for me with with comedy is that I've always found that if I can explore something or even make fun of something, then it just like brings me some peace of mind around it. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was in like first grade, I was having terrible nightmares. Do you know, like, do you remember the Bloody Mary? Um, oh, yeah. That, Mm -hmm. Someone told me that when I was a, like a preschooler. And of course, I had terrible nightmares about a witch named Bloody Mary from the age of like four to seven, which is half your life at that point. Yeah. And, and of course, went, just so people know, that one is the one where if you go into a bathroom and look in the mirror with a candle, maybe some people add that part to it. Uh, and you say Bloody Mary three times that you'll show up. Yeah, exactly. And so I had these terrible nightmares for three years. And I went to my first grade guidance counselor and we drew the witch. And then we just started doing all the classic cartoon goof ups with like, okay, we're going to put a mustache on her and like an arrow <laughs> through her head, you know, and like make her cluck like a chicken and stuff. And I'd never had another nightmare ever again. Oh, that's a, any of any kind. 
Oh, oh, I had nightmares constantly, but oh, never just not a Bloody Mary. Mary. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that's one thing too about like doing a show like this is like, okay, if comedy is how I kind of process my life, then <laughs> let me look. Because look, a lot of, especially before Meg came on board, a lot of the themes were things that I'm like bad at as an adult, how to relax, like money mm -hmm. stuff, like mm -hmm. all of that was like, look, if I can just investigate this and kind of not make light of it, but yeah, explore it and kind of make fun of it a little bit, make fun of myself even a little bit in, ter in those terms. And like, it really has helped me like work through some stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. That is a beautiful thing of art of like, just trying to do art can help you deal with things. And that's like so many different art forms. I have a question about coming up with forms because you're right. There are, there are plenty of adult problems that can be addressed, but some may not feel as enticing for a show. They might be kind of complicated. Are there any sort of rules for the themes that you come up with? Or, or do you say like, well, it has to be something simple and accessible and common or, you know, or do you just say, I, I think we can do that. Meg, do we have rules for themes? I don't think so. I, in the brainstorming process, I don't allow myself to have rules. You know, I just, I just go. But I do think that if I, you know, when I like to brainstorm, if I did put rules on it, then I, I wouldn't come up with anything. And that's just right. how it works. So mm -hmm. what I have done is maybe done just a spitball, just about 15 ideas. And candidly, not all of my ideas are like the the great ones. And frankly, that's the same for Hunter. That's the same for everyone. But I think our rules are maybe something a little bit more, you know, all of it are, all of them are adult problems, but maybe there's something that is a little bit more universal, like mm -hmm. sex stuff, you know, mm -hmm. which we all deal with it. And then maybe something a little bit more niche. You know, and I, I don't know if I necessarily put get your shit together like that, but I think moving into another venue, I think that that's understandable. But I think that was and I could be totally wrong, but I feel like we had said super, super niche and then totally relatable and maybe mm -hmm. kind of alternating between the two. In, in yeah. The and I think when we choose themes, we do keep our performers in mind. Right. Like, yeah. does this does this feel like something you could generate ideas off of? You know sex stuff virtues and vices right. or even we were trying to like because this are the very first show that i did with meg it was her theme where she was just like i think the social contract is so absurd and hilarious just like well wait meg will you tell the story of like when you were hanging out with your friend do you know what i'm talking about yeah i do so find social contracts to be very interesting there was a a very cool comedian who teaches comedy around new york city i will not mention their name not on air but uh, yes the, not you'll on air, dm but... it to it no i'm kidding oh i'll dm <laughs> um but yeah so i uh ran into them and and another another person at a particular train stop and so you know it was clear we were all heading back to brooklyn and i'm talking to this instructor and yeah, they exchange pleasantries. But then when that train comes, the instructor just says, all right, well, I'm going to go into this car over there. It was good to talk to you guys. And they left. And I loved it because at first it left the two of us kind of dumbfounded because that's just breaking a social contract, right? You see someone. I had a, I had a very, very shitty date one time. And then that guy got on my train. Oh. And even though we'd already said goodbye, 
I felt obligated and so did mm. he to sit next to each other on a train and, and have more small talk. But like people <laughs> who break those social boundaries mm -hmm. are badasses. And how do we get better at that for our own sanity? That's something I find to be really, really important, but really hard. Yeah. I do love that story. And I did. I had heard that story, actually. Now that, so I know who it is. <laughs> Was it someone who's been on the podcast before? I'll never tell. You'll just have to go back and listen to every episode. <laughs> and then guess. <laughs> but yeah, but that story was the was the inspiration for our first theme, which was unspoken rules and avoiding conflict. Mm -hmm. Because we thought it's like the social contract, yes, everything Meg just said is absolutely true, but that doesn't feel super thematic or like necessarily that that would help people generate like a number of potentially different ideas. So we we're just like, how do we just break that out into something that that does more like that? And then we we got unspoken rules and avoiding conflict. And it was mm. a great, great first show. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm glad to hear that simple things can come to mind through something that feels maybe more complicated. And but yet you can still make it accessible for people. And and like you mentioned, you do have your performers in mind. It's not something that seems like you could come up with ideas off of it. And then it's probably not a good thing for a show. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing about the show that I'm I'm maybe most proud of, and I, th I think Meg would agree, was is the fact that, you know, a, a bit of the mission statement of the show is to help people feel better about themselves and the world mm -hmm. around them. And so for having all of these moving parts, I have had several people come up to me after the show and say that it did help them feel that way in one mm -hmm. way or the other while also saying that the show is really funny, which I think is a really delicate balance because I've, I've frankly kind of learned the hard way that like being like nice is not a, always a likable quality on stage. It's not like, like to complete being nice and being funny or mm. doing something that, that is like feel good. Like something can be feel good, but not funny. And so I think for this show to help people, that it, the fact that it helps people, it is this feel good tone. And it does, people do seem to take away something, take something away from it that's bigger than just like, you know, hey, that comedian was funny. Um, and to hopefully put on a, a funny show is, uh, I don't know, like maybe it's not, that's not super intuitive, but it is kind of a fine line to walk. And I've, I've been very happy to hear people say that both those things are true. Yeah. I think we have a good track record of bringing on people who are kind. Mm -hmm. So it's not even so much uh, what I think of nice. And I, I love the title of our show. <laughs> but when I think of nice, I tend to think of kind of superficial. I'm going to smile at you when we're going through the cereal aisle in the grocery store. You know, but I think everybody that we have on the show is deeply kind and we may be laughing at things or maybe even poking fun of ourselves or, you know, a, a person, a situation. But at the end of the day, especially with that closing message, it's it's very kind. And I think that is what people people love kindness. You know, that's that's right. what uh, that's what makes us glow inside. And it really resonates with the audience, which is great. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And. This is not the kind of show where we've gotten a bunch of like, big named talent on it. It's a show that really thrives off of the concept 
And, and to see a lot of people, like people return to the show in the audience tells me it's the kind of thing where it's like, if you come to this show, you will see what this show is about and what it's going for. And if you like it and it's for you, then you'll come back. Yeah. I, I think that's how we've, we've built an audience and, you know, maybe sometime in the not too distant future, you know, we'll have someone on the show that the general public recognizes from television or something like that. And that'll be great. But I, I think it really is a show that, that thrives off like, Hey, here's what we're trying to put into the world. Are you into that? You are cool. And then they come back. Nice. I like it. That's the only kind of good. Nice. Right? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we can not have nice things, but we can have kind people. Yes. Yes. I did say the phrase bless their heart recently. So harken back to our Southern roots. Well, yes. Well, yeah. You know, if you're from the Carolinas, you got to say it at least once. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan said it recently and he is from Connecticut. And I thought, oh, we've, we've assimilated. We've become one. I love this. Yeah. My, my girlfriend's only about like this really chatty, like kind of awful target checkout experience that she had with the woman that was like working behind the counter who was just like borderline a bully to her but was also really chatty and mm. i just was like you know bless her heart she probably doesn't have anybody to talk to <laughs> yeah. yeah you know and i kind of like a lot of people say like oh when you say bless your heart they're they're saying f you and it's that's not really true most of the time when someone says it it is to avoid saying something mean <laughs> you know yeah. it's like you're really trying to say, oh, that person's so dumb. I don't <laughs> want to say that because it's not nice. So I'll just go, hmm, bless their heart. <laughs> you know, like they, they, are, they can't they help it. They're flavors. just, they're a pathetic idiot who, you know, bless their heart. I feel they bad for them. Flavors. I feel There's bad for them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's so, it's so rare that you get a F you bless your heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've reached the end of the episode. It's time to create something together. And I want to demonstrate coming up with the theme, a, an idea for a theme, and maybe even how to run it through a test to see if it would work. Can we do that? I love this idea. Okay, cool. The theme of the show, the idea of the show are adult problems. So what are some common adult problems? Does it... Something that sparks it, usually something that you're currently going through, or is this something you recently thought of? I'd say a, a lot of times in, in the past, I've, like I said, Meg and I came with that like, big list that we've been cherry picking off of. But I'm trying to think back to that conversation, Meg, where it was just like, I think I'm sure we talked about like some things that we have been thinking about lately, or that idea of like conversations you only have with yourself. Mm -hmm. I... Mm. I feel like one thing that comes to my mind just because of the engagement and not because of drama is family. <laughs> sure. So it doesn't necessarily need to be mom and dad. It can be chosen family, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh, but uh -huh. it's um, trying to deal with family and, you know, mm -hmm. family issues. How do you, I mean, does anybody else constantly feel guilty by how infrequently they call their grandparents? You know, of course, or my mom. Yeah, I feel guilty about how infrequently I call my mom for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, family drama is a great theme. Family drama is a good one. Also, another one is, and, and you know, hopefully this one isn't too sad, but we'll see. Just like parents getting older. Mm -hmm. like yeah. Seeing parents get older and you're like, oh, they are 
getting close to that age my grandparents were when they died. You know, like right. that's, a, that's a tough thing to think about. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to my mind, if we we're going to make something like that a theme, it's something that's a little tongue in cheek, but also on the nose. Like if mm-hmm. we were going to do an episode about dying, I would, I would lead into something like we're all going to die someday mm. as a theme. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, parents getting, parents getting older, the fact that they're the age, age, I've been thinking a lot about this lately and while people, you know, that people always say there's two types of people in this world. My favorite is one that I heard Sloan Crosley say one time, there's two types of people in this world, the people that still have their high school yearbooks and the people who don't. I think that's <laughs> so funny. And not everything is in a binary like that, but something I have been thinking about is two types of people in this world, the kind of people who enjoy getting older and the mm-hmm. kind of people who hate getting older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that could be like an interesting way to get to a theme. I feel yeah, like we have a few here that yeah, are, you know, have a lot of opportunity. Because like, you know, drama with family, like managing family drama. That's, I don't know how you would phrase it for a good theme. But because like family the one matters. about. <laughs> yeah, uh, family <laughs> matters is good. And Jason, I hope you don't mind. We are writing these down. Please. Family drama. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to die someday. Is, uh, yeah. I see how the twist there makes that more accessible for a performer to come up with ideas for. Because you, yeah. you, you couldn't be like, all right, and the theme is how hard it is to see your parents getting older. Like, that doesn't, that's not a, a great sounding theme. You can't put it on a poster and get people to run out to it. But if you put, we're all going to die someday. Hi, nice people. We're all going to die that someday. <laughs> you put that on a poster and people are paying attention and then yeah. found some money to go to that show. I would yeah. like to see a show that is about aging and not yeah. because not from the, the perspective that we're going to die someday. I, I think that could be in, in addition, but I do both shows reading, separately. Yeah. I read an article recently that was like, if you're over 30, Please don't even try to follow any makeup trends ever again. And I'm like, geez, over 30, that's over the 30. cutoff. We're done. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah. Uh, there, oh, there is something there about like age appropriateness. There I is. Think it's really funny. Have you got, I've noticed this maybe when I was in college where I was like, oh, I think the way that trends, fashion trends work, at least in kind of like, white suburbia is that it starts on the college campus mm-hmm. and then like that girl or guys like let's just like say it's like a girl her little sister notices mm-hmm. what she's wearing she's a yeah. junior in high school right she starts wearing it then the middle school girls start wearing it then the neighborhood moms start wearing it right like <laughs> two years later <laughs> yeah that's that's the fashion cycle i just started noticing it like in years I got to like a college where it's like, why am I walking around a Harris Teeter and all these moms are dressed like the sorority girls from my college years? That's funny. Mm-hmm. I was just like, that is, a, but that's, that's, how like, trickled, that's how it trickles. That's how it trickles down. down. And, yeah. But that, I think age appropriateness is, could be like, or like posing the question, is that age appropriate? Mm-hmm. Or rip off Blink 182 and say, what's my age again? As a former huge Blink 182 fan, um, <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> yeah isn't that yeah, that's so easy to believe yeah I, I something around age appropriateness is very uh, funny to me so jason meg stop me if i'm about to 
go crazy. No. Okay. But I'm willing to commit that before we get off the line here, we have a theme that we use on the future How Nice People episode. Oh, okay. I have a yeah. couple jotted down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Some that, some that really piqued my interest were family drama. We're all going to die someday. And then for the age appropriate one, I wrote down too old for this shit. <laughs> I agree. Do we like I, any of these? I like all of them. I mean, I, like I, all of them. <laughs> I love talking about death. So mm-hmm. we're all going to die someday is is probably highest on my list. But <laughs> I really love family drama, or as I'm going to call it, family matters. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to it. I think all of the all three of these, I'd commit to all three of them now. I think they're great. So maybe okay. it's the first one out of those three. What's going to be the first one that you do? Yeah, I think you're all going to die someday would be funny in the spring. Just from, I love that. But timeline. <laughs> spring awakening. Everything's yes. in bloom coming to life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember, what a you will time die. Yeah. Okay, well, we have our short list. So everybody just stay tuned to see which one we, we go with. There but. it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast again, Megan Hunter. Thank you Jason, so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, man. So wonderful having both Megan and Hunter here to talk about their show, Hi Nice People. Get tickets to their first at Caveat, which will be next Tuesday, March 14th. We have a link to that in the bio. Also, be sure to keep up with the show on Instagram at nicepeople.show. You're going to want to keep up because Justina and I are in the April show. Also, follow Hunter on Instagram and Twitter at Hunter Gardner. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and on Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is. And also subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 